certainly not trying to embarrass you, but um, if you served in our military and are present with us this morning, would you please stand? Served in the military and are present this morning, would you please stand? Wow. Wow. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Wow. Thank you. You may be seated. We, we have um, in our midst this morning, um, Brother Ed Canada served in World War II all the way up um, to uh, Brother John, uh, just got back from deployment over in the Middle East, and, and um, men who served in Vietnam, Korea, um, other uh, aspects of our country's battles, and um, first of all, I hope you know the honor that this whole family of faith gives to you, but also if I could just say personally, um, the sacrifices that you have made, um, and even some of the things that, um, that you still deal with to this day because of what you have witnessed in and had to do in defense of this country in battle. Um, may God be with you. May He continue to strengthen you. And um, I'm telling you, we we are all better, not just as a nation because of your service, but we're a better family of faith because of the kind of heart and attitude that you all have, and um, and your willingness to serve and lay down your life if necessary um, for this country and for. Uh, the freedoms that we enjoy. I know that there's a lot that's going on in our, in our nation right now. And um, if I let it, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If I let it, it would trouble my heart. Amen. Rather than letting my heart be troubled, I'm going to pray like the Bible instructs us to pray for our leaders, for our, those who have the rule over us so that it might be well with us. But those who are prophesying the doom of this nation... I personally believe uh, do err in not knowing the scriptures nor the will of God. Amen. Because he has certainly raised this country up and is using this country. Um, and um, I know that we have our problems and we have our issues, but there's still a lot of the light of the world and the salt of the earth people like those present in this room this morning um, who are standing for righteousness and godliness and raising your families um, in the fear and admonition of God. And, and so I'm just thankful to be a part of this great nation and look forward to what Father has prepared for us in the days ahead. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, open them with me to um, the book of Hebrews. Have you ever, and, and I'm saying this with all, um, uh, in other words, I'm not, this is not a pity party or anything like that, okay? Um, Pam and I were up most of the night, and, um, and then the, uh, the issue uh, with, you know, with Bethany, of course, we're thankful just praying and interceding for her, and, and, um, and then this morning it turns out that the folks who cleaned the building have the same virus that Bethany has, and so um, we uh, uh, dealt with that, amen, this morning, and then the heat wouldn't come on in here, 
and we dealt with that this morning. And, um, and right now I'm stalling because every one of my notes just disappeared off my iPad. And we're dealing with that this morning. Amen. Amen. I had, um, and we're still going to figure it out, I had a beautiful presentation uh, the flag and motion graphics and all for our veterans this morning, and it's somewhere in the cloud. Amen. But, um, but God is good. Amen. And um, so anyway, I think we've just about, there they are. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 2, and let's begin at verse number 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. I hear some of you still turning, so let me get a drink of water. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For both he who sanctifies, God is the one who sanctifies, amen? Those who are being sanctified, that's speaking of you and me. So the sanctifier and the sanctifies, amen. We are the sanctifies, God is the sanctifier. And notice it says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. The original language doesn't, um, uh, you know, sometimes you, you, you read this and you think, well, it really doesn't mean that. And so you look the word up to see like an alternative meaning that would have less impact than this one. When you look this word up in the original language, it doesn't have less of an impact. It actually has a greater impact because in the original language, this word means one and the same. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one and the same, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, in verse number 10, and I want to point this out to you um, as we move back over into John chapter 17 this morning. Jesus is identified as the captain of our salvation. And the Bible says the captain of our salvation has led many sons to glory. Okay? Now, when he's identified as our captain, amen, That means more than just uh, rank. It means more than just a position of leadership. But it literally means that he represented us. And for that matter, still represents us today before the throne of God the Father in heaven. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is our advocate. He is our mediator He is our representative in the heavenly realm. Amen? And so when it says that the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings, we know that he suffered for who? He suffered for you and me, did he not? He suffered so that we could be made whole. The Bible makes it very clear that he took our pain and our sickness so that we could be healed and receive healing by his stripes you were healed not are healed but were healed amen when were we healed we were healed when jesus 
took those stripes upon his physical body as our substitute, as our representative. The captain of our salvation made perfect through sufferings. In Galatians, the Bible says that he came to take you and me out from under a curse. And the way he got us out from under the curse was he became a curse for us. Again, our captain, our representative, he became a curse for us so that now the blessing of Abraham can be ours. Well, in another place, it says he became our sin so that we could be made his righteousness. In another place, it says he became poor, he became impoverished so that we could become rich. Amen. So the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings. We have to understand that Jesus is and was and always will be the perfect Son of God. So when He came to this earth, He did not come here to increase or improve His standing before God, His righteousness before God. His righteousness is the extreme uh, measure or standard of righteousness. So He didn't come to make His righteousness perfect. The captain of our salvation, our substitutionary representative, right? He came to make you and me perfect through His sufferings. That word perfect here means complete. This is why in Colossians the Bible says, you are complete in Him now. Amen. Because we are in Christ, we are now complete in Him. Because the captain of our salvation endured what he endured, became what he became, not because death was ever a threat to him or sickness was ever a threat to him or poverty was ever a threat to him or sin was ever a threat to him personally, but it was because all of these things were not only a threat to us, they had us in their grasp. So he came to set us free. He came as our captain to bring us out of death, out of disease, out of poverty, break the curse off of our lives so that we could become complete in Him, leading us now to glory. Is the Son of God glorified this morning? Is He, is he seated high upon the throne this morning? Is He receiving glory from His body this morning? Yes, yes, and yes. Amen. Amen. Now, turn with me to John, the 17th chapter. Praise God. John chapter 17. We're talking about oneness this morning, continuing our study on that all-important subject. And I offer to you that the heart of God, and when I say God, I mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead. The heart of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for you and me always was and always will be oneness. Remember, God existed for eternity past. He's the uncreated God. He has no beginning. And He existed in eternity past as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was a distinct moment in time when He created us, when He created Adam, when He created mankind. 
And he did so with great intent. He did so with great purpose. He did so with a plan for us in mind. Amen. As I like to say, the Bible gives us evidence that he can make it without us, but we can't make it without him. So he didn't create you because he had to have you so much as he created you because he desires you. He created us because he wanted us. And he created us for a very high purpose. He created us to make us one with him. He created us to glorify us together with himself. Now as far-fetched and as outlandish as that may sound, we have looked at verse after verse after verse that supports that. Now, the reason we struggle with these things is because of religious traditions. We struggle with these truths because our minds have been conformed to the thinking of this world and this, and this world's religions. And it's time for us to understand the heart and mind of God, the very purpose for which He created us. I've told you over and over again, and I will tell you again this morning, God provided a biblical record for us. This biblical record begins with our creation in the Garden of Eden, and it ends at at a wedding feast with us becoming one with His only begotten Son. Amen. And I offer to you this morning that this life is but a sliver of eternity. This life is, is but the most microscopic fraction of our existence. In perspective, it is, it is, it is almost imperceptible it, it, is, it is such a blip on the radar. It is such a speck on the timeline. It, 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 is, it is so small compared to our eternal existence with God. And yet, this speck on the timeline has been ordained by God. That word ordained means appointed. He created this earth and all that is in it. And then put you and me here, created in His image and in His likeness. Created from Him. Created after Him. He poured His life into us. He created us so much like Himself so as to have fellowship with us. Amen. Amen. And He gave us the opportunity to choose Him. He gave us the opportunity to choose Him. Amen. Alright, keep these things in mind as we continue forward this morning. We're going to ultimately land in the first few verses of John 17. But I want to plant and or water um, a few verses from the middle part of John 17 before we go any further this morning. And so if you're in John 17, look at verse number 20. Jesus is praying to His Father just prior to Him going to the cross. And He says this, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word. He's talking about you and me right now. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. Now there are those who say that this verse is not talking about our oneness with God the Father, but it's talking about unity 
amongst the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, that there should be unity or oneness in the church. But if you understand what he's saying here, he's saying that there would be a oneness amongst us that is like the oneness that Jesus has with the Father, which is possible only because we've been made one with Jesus and are now individual members of the same body. And because we've been made one with Jesus, and Jesus is one with the Father, Jesus is that connection that gives us oneness with God the Father. Again, if you've never heard anything like this, I'm asking you, not right now, but I'm asking you, read the Gospel of John again. And slow way down in chapter 5, and chapter 10, and chapter 14, and chapter 17. And allow the Holy Spirit to show you what is clearly the heart of God for His people. Now, let's go back up. Because what we find leading us to these important verses, verse 20, 21, and 22, begins in verse number 1. In verse number 1. Look at me for a moment before we read it. Jesus had a very important conversation with a man named Nicodemus. That conversation is recorded for us in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus shares some things with Nicodemus that absolutely boggle Nicodemus's mind. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again. And Nicodemus, trying to understand everything from a physical perspective, says... How can a man, when he's old, go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Jesus said, what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born of water, the flesh, and you must be born of the Spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus then throws up his hands and says, how can these things be? Because again, it seems so far above anything he had ever heard. It seems so far-fetched. It seems so in incredible that it was incredulous. And Jesus looked right in John uh, uh, in Nicodemus's eyes, recorded in John the third chapter, and he says, "How are you a teacher in Israel and don't know this?" In other words, you'd almost expect Jesus to say, look, okay, I'm, I got too far ahead of myself, Nicodemus. Let's, let's slow it down here, and, and, and let me just say a few things, and, and then we'll continue. No, no. Jesus fired right back at him. And he says, this may seem bizarre. This may, this may seem outlandish. It may seem more than you've ever heard before. But how is it that you're a born-again believer in the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the 21st century and don't know these things? I really feel like that's what the, not in a, not in a condescending way, not, in a, not in, a, in a harsh way, but I really believe that that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. You know, we, we, we understandably so, when we, when we hear truth that tends to offend the religious traditions that we cling to, there tends to be a little pushback on, that was what Nicodemus was doing, he was pushing back. Jesus is saying, you got to be born again, and, Jesus, and Nicodemus is like, that's impossible. And Jesus says, not only is it possible, you can't enter the kingdom unless you are. And then Nicodemus pushes back again. 
And remember, all Jesus is trying to do is get the truth to him that he needs that will set him free. And that's all he's trying to do for you and me this morning is get the truth to us that will set us free and enable us to live the life that God created us to live. All right, so in the time we have remaining, let's jump in here. John chapter 17, verse number 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. You have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now one of the first Bible verses most of us learned when we were kids in Sunday school is John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he did what he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should have what? Eternal life, everlasting life. Not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. Well, thank God for that, but, but now we're in the 17th chapter of John, and Jesus is honing in on, zeroing in on, what eternal life really is, what it really means to be given eternal life. And Jesus says it very plainly, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now this word know here is, is, a, is a broad word with, with broad meaning. And it, it can mean like know about something all the way to it's, it's used of, of intimacy in marriage. The Virgin Mary said, How can I be pregnant seeing that I know not a man? That, did, that didn't mean that she didn't have any male acquaintances. She was engaged to a man. It wasn't that she didn't know who Joseph was. It meant that she had never had relations with Joseph. So do you see how this word, depending on where it's used and the context can mean different things. Here it means that they may know you means that they may have personal fellowship with you. Personal fellowship with you. Okay? So notice he says this is eternal life that they may have personal fellowship with you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have Sent. Now, I know this is repetitive. I, I really, amen, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just telling you, I know it's repetitive. But let's go back to it. You, you just stay where you are right there. I'm going to put it on the screen. So you don't, don't leave where you are in John 17. But I'm going to put it on the screen. This is, this is the epistle now of John. Same author, Gospel of John. Notice what he says in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is speaking of Jesus, right? Right? The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. According to Jesus, 
recorded by the Apostle John. What is eternal life? Eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God, that they may have personal fellowship with you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Notice how that's confirmed here in verse number 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is in essence saying here, I'm going to tell you what I've witnessed. I'm going to tell you what I heard. And I'm going to tell you what I have personally experienced. He's saying, I witnessed personal fellowship between Jesus and His Father. That's what John the Beloved is saying. He's saying, I witnessed this personal fellowship between Jesus and His Father. And He personally witnessed the fruits of of that personal fellowship. Jesus said, the works that I do, I do because I am in my Father and one with Him, and my Father is in me and one with me. He says also that I am telling you what I heard Jesus teach about this. It wasn't just something Jesus talked about, it was something Jesus exemplified. It was something that He lived out. His life was a living example of personal fellowship with God the Father. Jesus taught about it. Jesus lived it. And now we see that John is saying that he is experiencing that same personal fellowship with Jesus and with God the Father and that the opportunity is now uh, available and the doors are open wide for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord to also have fellowship with us. John is not just saying for you that you can have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. He's saying that we can have fellowship with Him because He has fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. And He's like, you can come have fellowship with us. Amen. 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 Are you seeing this? All right. John chapter 17. Back to it again. <clears throat> this phrase in verse 2 as you have given him authority over all flesh. That's what we were talking about a moment ago out of Hebrews chapter 2, where Jesus has the designation of captain of our salvation. Captain of our salvation. Because he was given by God the Father authority over all flesh. He was given authority over all flesh for a reason. And that was so that He could give eternal life to as many as God the Father gives to Him. you got to get this now. I, I'm, I'm being silly. If it takes us three more weeks to get this part... I'm so excited about what I have in my notes ahead of this. But if you don't get this part, the rest of it is not going to... In other words, you've got to have this foundation to carry the weight of, of, of what's ahead in John chapter 17. Amen? So dial in with me for a few more minutes, please, okay? God the Father gave Jesus authority over all flesh 
so that Jesus should give eternal life to as many as God the Father gives to Him. Now, again, I know I'm being repetitive. What is eternal life? To have personal fellowship with God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom God has sent. So he's been given authority over all flesh so that Jesus could give personal fellowship with God the Father and with himself to as many as God the Father gives to him. Are, you, are some questions starting to pop up in your heart and mind? Because it's like, okay, so what does this mean about God the Father given to Jesus and, and this sort of stuff? We need to answer these questions. This word authority, it is sometimes translated power. It is the Greek word exousia. And it combines two very important things. Right, R-I-G-H-T, like having the right to do something, and might, M-I-G-H-T having the power or the ability to do something. I'm, I'm not telling you what to do, but if you take notes or if you write notes in your Bible, in John chapter 17, where that, where that word says, verse 2, as you have given him authority, by that word authority, put the words right and might. Right and might. So, Father God has given Jesus right and might over all flesh. If we dig deeper into this word exousia, it literally means, are you ready? The right and ability to do something. The right and ability to do something. Have you ever had the ability to do something but weren't sure it was your place to do it? You follow what I'm saying? Maybe you had the ability to help someone but they wouldn't let you help them. So in this case, you would have had the might to do it, the ability to do it, but not the right, not the privilege, not the access, not, not the authority. You weren't authorized to do it. Are you following me now? How about this? Have you ever had the right to do something, but not the ability? You realize you've got the right to go buy property. But in order to buy the property, you have to have the might or the ability to go buy it, right? Are you following what I'm saying? So, when he says he gave Jesus right and might, literally, he gave him the right and the ability to do something, let's not overcomplicate this, for all flesh, for all humanity. 
for all mankind. Now, let me just go through this part kind of quickly. We went through this in greater detail last Sunday evening. Examples of this are found in these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, If one died for all, then all died. Father God uniquely positioned Jesus and gave Him the right and the ability to do something for us all. So when He died, He died for us all. Are you seeing this? If one died for all, then all died. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, it says that God was in Christ reconciling, not the church to Himself, not uh, Christians to Himself, reconciling the world to Himself. In other words, what Jesus did for one, He did for all. He did for all humanity. If someone like last Sunday morning, if someone was to be born again this morning, Jesus is not going to have to leave heaven and go back to the cross and be crucified again so that one person can get saved this morning. When He did it, He was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. Because Father God gave Him the right and the might to do something for every human being who will ever live. I like this one, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also again for who? For the whole world. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says that, we mentioned this earlier, He became poor so that through His poverty you might become rich. Galatians 3, He became a curse so that we could be blessed. So God the Father, listen to me very carefully now. I want you to, let's, let's connect a few things together and then we'll, we'll land this plane right here, okay? God the Father gave Jesus to us. Yes or no? For God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that He gave His only begotten Son. God the Father gave Jesus to us. Turn with me to one last scripture. John chapter 1. I want you to see this one now. John chapter 1. In verse number 10. John 1 and 10 says this, speaking of Jesus, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not have personal fellowship with Him, did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. His own did not receive the gift. Was Jesus given to the Jews only? No, He was given to the whole world. He came to His own, and His own 
did not know him. His own did not have personal fellowship with him. Some people say the own here is, is speaking of the Jewish people only. I, I don't think so. I believe it's, it's literally speaking of his humanity. Jesus became a man. He came to, to mankind as a man. He came as a man among us because God the Father gave him to humanity. Father God gave him to the world, right? But notice when he gave him to the world that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the... New King James Version says right. The word in the original language is the same one that we read in John chapter 17. Exousia. It literally means he gave us the right and the might, the privilege and the ability to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but who were born of God. So he gave Jesus to us, and as many as receive the gift, Jesus gives that person, I'm sorry, God the Father gives that person to Jesus. Remember, he can only give eternal life, personal fellowship with God, to as many as God the Father gives to him. So how does God the Father decide who he's going to give to Jesus and who he's not going to give to Jesus. It's very simple. Whoever receives the gift of Jesus, God the Father gives that person to Jesus. And whoever God the Father gives to Jesus, God the Father gives personal fellowship to that person uh, with God the Father and with Jesus himself. The right and the ability. Singers and musicians, if you would please come. Are you getting anything out of this? Father gave us Jesus. When I say us, gave the world Jesus. Humanity Jesus. And He gave... Humanity, if you will, as far as the right and the might to do something for humanity to Jesus. He gave the right and the might to Jesus to do something for all mankind and then gave Jesus to all mankind. All mankind was separated from God, right? No one had personal fellowship with Him. God the Father desires personal fellowship with you, oneness with you. But there is a gulf, there is a gap. 
that cannot be bridged unless God comes to us and bridges that gap. We'll get, we'll get into this more tonight, but let me, I know some of you have other obligations and things on Sunday evening, so let me try to plant this, if I could, please. Jesus had to become a man in order to be our captain, in order to be our substitutionary representative, he had to become a man. This is why he now is the way, the only way to eternal life, to personal fellowship with God the Father. He is the bridge. Not just the forgiveness of our sins. Thank God that he's forgiven our sins. He's really taken them away. Not just forgiven them, he's taken them away. But in Christ Jesus, we become one with God yet again. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. If you would just bow your head for a moment. <clears throat> Our captain is calling this morning. He's calling for whosoever will call upon his name. Amen. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. So for no wrong that he had done, falsely accused, but in the elaborate and hidden plan of God, Jesus became our sin and took the blame and the punishment for all of it. He died the death that was ours. He was buried, but on the third day he was raised from the dead. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father, far above all devils and demons, power and might and authorities. Somebody said, Pastor Mark, you believe all that? I, I am all that. Because... My captain did it for me and he did it for you. We, we have a choice. Every human being has a choice. How we respond to the gift of Jesus will determine our eternity. It's that simple. It's that simple. You either receive the gift or you reject the gift. The reason those who reject the gift are lost forever is because there's not another bus coming. There's not a, there, it's not like you can catch the next Messiah when he swings through planet Earth. He, he, that's not happening. He's only one Jesus. Only one way. I wonder this morning if there's anyone here, you say, Pastor Mark, I've, I've never called upon him to receive this gift of salvation, but... Today's my day. Is there anybody? Never been born again. But this morning, I'd like to receive this gift. Anybody in the house? Anybody? Amen.
Let's, um, let's sing together before we're dismissed. If, um, if you'd like for someone to pray with you this morning, I know we've already had some respond during the worship time, but if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer over any situation in your life or family, we'd be happy to pray with you this morning. These altars are open. Let's worship the Lord for a moment or two longer and then we'll be dismissed. Praise God.